Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi, read by your host, me, Eli. Chapter 27, the great battle between Pinocchio and his playmates. One is wounded, Pinocchio is arrested. Going like the wind, Pinocchio took but a very short time to reach the shore. He glanced all about him, but there was no sign of a shark. The sea was as smooth as glass. Hey there, boys, where's the shark? He asked, turning to his playmates. He may have gone for his breakfast, said one of them, laughing. Or perhaps he went to bed for a little nap, said another, laughing also. From the answers and the laughter which followed them, Pinocchio understood that the boys had played a trick on him. What now? he said angrily to them. What's the joke? Oh, the joke's on you, cried his tormentors, laughing more heartily than ever and dancing gaily around the marionette. And that is that we have made you stay out of school to come with us, Aren't you ashamed of being such a goody-goody and of studying so hard? You never have a bit of enjoyment. And what is it to you if I study? What does the teacher think of us, you mean? Why? Don't you see? If you study and we don't, we pay for it. After all, it's only fair to look out for ourselves. What do you want me to do? Hate school and books and teachers as we all do. They are your worst enemies, you know, and they like to make you as unhappy as they can. And if I go on studying, what will you do to me? You'll pay for it. You'll pay for it. Really? You amuse me, answered the marionette, nodding his head. Hey, Pinocchio, cried the tallest of them all. That will do. We are tired of hearing you bragging about yourself, you little turkey cock. You may not be afraid of us, but remember, we are not afraid of you either. You are all alone, you know, and we are seven. Like seven little sins, said Pinocchio, still laughing. Did you hear that? He has insulted us all. He has called us sins. Pinocchio, apologize for that, or look out. Cook, woo, said the marionette, mocking them with his thumb to his nose. You'll be sorry. Cuckoo! We'll whip you soundly. Cuckoo! You'll go home with a broken nose. Cuckoo! Very well then. Take that and keep it for your supper. Called out the, called out the boldest of his tormentors. And with the words, he gave Pinocchio a terrible blow on the head. Pinocchio answered with another blow, and that was the signal for the beginning of the fray. In a few moments, the fight raged hot and heavy on both sides. Pinocchio, although alone, defended himself bravely. With those two wooden feet of his, he worked so fast that his opponents kept at a respectful distance. Wherever they landed, they left their painful mark, and the boys could only run away and howl. Thinking it would make a fine missile, one of the boys took hold of a book and threw it with all his strength at Pinocchio's head. But instead of hitting the marionette, the book struck one of the other boys, who, as pale as a ghost, cried out faintly, 
Oh, mother, help, I'm dying, and fell senseless to the ground. At the sight of the pale little corpse, the boys were so frightened that they turned tail and ran. In a few moments, all had disappeared, all except Pinocchio. Although scared to death by the horror of what had been done, he ran to the sea and soaked his handkerchief in the cool water and with it bathed the head of the poor little schoolmate. Sobbing bitterly, he called to him, saying, Eugene, my poor Eugene, open your eyes and look at me. Why don't you answer? I was not the one who hit you, you know. Believe me, I didn't do it. Open your eyes, Eugene. If you keep them shut, I'll die too. Oh dear me, how shall I ever go home now? How shall I ever look at my little mother again? What will happen to me? Where shall I go? Where shall I hide? Oh, how much better it would have been, a thousand times better, if I had only gone to school. Why did I listen to those boys? They always were a bad influence. And to think that the teacher had told me, and my mother too, Beware of bad company, that's what she said, but I'm stubborn and proud. I listen, but always I do as I wish, and then I pay. I've never had a moment's peace since I've been born. Oh dear, what will become of me? What will become of me? Two carabineers then took hold of Pinocchio, and putting him between them, said to him in a rough voice, March and go quickly, or it will be worse for you. They did not have to repeat their words. The marionette walked swiftly along the road to the village. But the poor fellow hardly knew what he was about. He thought he had a nightmare. He felt ill. His eyes saw everything double. His legs trembled. His tongue was dry. And try as he might, he could not utter a single word. Yet, in spite of this numbness of feeling, he suffered keenly at the thought of passing under the windows of his good little fairy's house. What would she say on seeing him between these two carabineers? They had just reached the village when a sudden gust of wind blew off Pinocchio's cap and made it go sailing far down the street. Would you allow me, said the marionette to the carabineers, to run after my cap? Very well. Go, but hurry. The marionette went, picked up his cap, but instead of putting it on his head, he stuck it between his teeth and then raced towards the sea. He went like a bullet out of a gun. The carabineers, judging that it would be very difficult to catch him, sent a large mastiff after him, one that had won first prize in all the dog races. Pinocchio ran fast, mastiff after him, the dog ran faster. At so much noise, the people hung out of their windows or gathered in the street, anxious to see the end of the contest. But they were disappointed, for the dog and Pinocchio raised so much dust on the road that after a few moments, it was impossible to see them. Chapter 28 Pinocchio runs the danger of being fried in a pan like a fish. During that wild chase, Pinocchio lived through a terrible moment where he almost gave himself up as lost. This was when Alidoro, that was the Mastiff's name, in a frenzy of running came so near that he was on the very point of reaching him. 
the marionette heard, close behind him, the labored breathing of the beast who was fast on his trail, and now and again even felt his hot breath blow over him. Luckily, by this time, he was very near the shore, and the sea was in sight, in fact, only a few short steps away. As soon as he set foot on the beach, Pinocchio gave a leap and fell into the water. Alidoro tried to stop, but as he was running very fast, he couldn't, and he too landed far out in the sea. Strange though it may seem, the dog could not swim. He beat the water with his paws to hold himself up, but the harder he tried, the deeper he sank. As he stuck his head out once more, the poor fellow's eyes were bulging, and he barked out wildly, I drown! I drown! Drown, answered Pinocchio from afar, happy at his escape. Help, Pinocchio! Dear little Pinocchio, save me from death! At those cries of suffering, the marionette, who after all had a very kind heart, was moved to compassion. He turned toward the poor animal and said to him, But if I help you, will you promise not to bother me again by running after me? I promise, I promise. Only hurry, for if you wait another second, I'll be dead and gone. Pinocchio hesitated still another minute, then remembering how his father had often told him that a kind deed is never lost, he swam to Alidoro and catching hold of his tail, dragged him to the shore. The poor dog was so weak, he could not stand. He had swallowed so much salt water that he was swollen like a balloon. However, Pinocchio, not wishing to trust him too much, threw himself once again into the sea. As he swam away, he called out, Goodbye, Alidoro. Good luck, and remember me to the family. Goodbye, little Pinocchio, answered the dog. A thousand thanks for having saved me from death. You did me a good turn, and in this world, what is given is always returned. If the chance comes, I shall be there. Pinocchio went on swimming close to the shore. At last, he thought he had reached a safe place. Glancing up and down the beach, he saw the opening of a cave, out of which rose a spiral of smoke. In that cave, he said to himself, there must be a fire. So much the better. I'll dry my clothes and warm myself. And then, well, his mind made up. Pinocchio swam to the rocks. But as he started to climb, he felt something under him, lifting him up higher and higher. He tried to escape, but he was too late. To his great surprise, he found himself in a huge net amid a crowd of fish of all kinds and sizes, who were fighting and struggling desperately to free themselves. As you can well imagine, the bass, the flounders, the whitefish, and even the little anchovies all went together into the tub to keep the mullets company. The last to come out of the net was Pinocchio. As soon as the fishermen pulled him out, his green eyes opened wide with surprise, and he cried out in fear. What kind of fish is this? I don't remember ever eating anything like it. He looked at him closely, and after turning him over and over, he said at last, I understand. He must be a crab. Pinocchio, mortified at being taken for a crab, said resentfully, What 
Nonsense! A crab indeed! I am no such thing! Beware how you deal with me! I am a marionette, I want you to know! A marionette? asked the fisherman. I must admit that a marionette fish is for me an entirely new kind of fish! So much the better! I'll eat you with greater relish! Eat me? But can't you understand that I'm not a fish? Can't you hear that I speak and think as you do? It's true, answered the fisherman. But since I see that you are a fish, well able to talk and think as I do, I'll treat you with all due respect. Then he pulled a wooden bowl full of flour out of a cupboard and started to roll the fish into it one by one. When they were white with it, he threw them into the pan. The first to dance in the hot oil were the mullets. The bass followed, then the whitefish, the flounders, and the anchovies. Pinocchio's turn came last. Seeing himself so near to death, and such a horrible death, he began to tremble so with fright that he had no voice left with which to beg for his life. The poor boy beseeched only with his eyes. But the green fisherman, not even noticing that it was he, turned him over and over in the flower until he looked like a marionette made of chalk. Then he took him by the head and...